Hello and welcome to the Chainsaw Buffet podcast. I am happy to be joined this time by actress, singer, international woman of mystery, uh, and just generally good person, Danielle McRae. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us. It has been uh, way, way overdue. Thank you for having me. I like the whole international woman of mystery <laughs> thing. It's kind of cool. Well, you know, I, I try and, and work with uh, with what I've got. And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll go ahead and just jump right into it. What have you been doing lately that you can talk about? Um, well, I recently did a game called Planet Site 2. I did some recording for that. And um, I'm doing a few other things right now that I wish I could talk about. And lots of auditions. Yeah. Those stupid non-disclosure agreements. I don't know why they don't just uh, let you guys talk about it. I mean, it's free press, right? Yeah. Well, I know there's a game that, and I, it's it totally sucks because like it's going on the second year, and it's so cool. But I, I think they'll be mad at us if we said certain games or certain things they're working on. Like, I don't talk about it yet. It could go through or probably not. But no, I don't say anything. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, that's just. Uh, the nature of the beast. Sometimes, you know, things are in production, then, you know, they stop or whatever, but... Yeah. Um, have you got any conventions on the schedule? Any conventions you've been at recently? Um, I've been to recently a, a con called um, Canterlot, Canterlot Gardens, and that was pretty fun. It was a brony con. That, a lot of fun stuff. I was about to say, that sounds like a brony con. I should have had Charlie yeah. up here. He's our resident brony, but... Oh, that was fun. <laughs> See, unfortunately, um, for whatever reason, I think I just missed the boat, because, um, you know, I've, I've seen a few episodes of, of uh, Friendship is Magic, and while it's a, an entertaining show, I've never really just gotten into it the way that other people have. I was that way about uh, the Powerpuff Girls, you know, which was, oh, yeah, that I was that was my show that was intended for young girls that I liked because of the writing and everything. But yeah, uh, again, you know, I, I just I I find that now as uh, becoming a geek, you know, being into anime and video games is cool now. It wasn't when I was growing up, so I think it just came along uh, too early for a lot of yeah. these things. Yeah, I've only seen one episode of My Little Pony, but I feel so guilty because it's like people saying, "Oh, yeah, you like which pony do you like?" I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I like I all the ponies. I, yeah, all of them. They're all really pretty and bright and sunny and stuff. <laughs> yes. Well, it's still cool though that you got uh, invited, even though you have you know very little uh, exposure to the show, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I think it was more for the Skullgirls thing. Because they had a they had a few other Skullgirls actresses along um, in the guest list, so I actually just camped to them and said, "Hey, that'd be really cool if I can join your convention." And they're like, "Oh, you're in Skullgirls. Just come along, and we'll fly you out and everything." I, I wish I could do that. Be like, "Hey, you know, can, can I come along too?" But yeah, that never works out. They say, "Well, we'll give you a media pass, but you have to, you know, pay your own way in the hotel and all that." Oh well. Uh if I could, if I had like a magical suitcase, I'd just take all my friends with me to different cons, and then we could just go to a con or a hotel and let everybody out. <laughs> See, that's that's very nice of you. I wouldn't be that nice. I'd be like, no, no you got you got to pay. <laughs> yeah, I have friends who say, oh, you're going to this convention, fit me in your suitcase. I'm like, I wish I had a magical suitcase. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now I kind of want to take this interview in a little bit of a different direction because. 
Um, normally, I, I usually uh, ask about you know how how you got into acting, what what drew you to acting, and sort of the journey to to where you are today. And I'll ask a few of those questions, but there's there's another aspect that I think is particularly unique about about you, Daniel. And we're starting to see this more than we used to. You're actually a big fan of the games and the anime themselves, correct? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's that's so different, because before you would ask an actor that was in something a question, you know, like, what's your favorite anime? They'd be like, you know, I, I don't watch anime. I don't have time. You know, I'm working. Whereas you started out, correct, uh, as, mm-hmm. as an anime fan. Um, what are some of your favorite shows? Um, I, I'll go with the recent ones. I like Gunwave a lot. It reminds me of, like, a, an anime Scarface. But the guy who doesn't say anything until <laughs> later on in the, the series. And I like Black Lagoon and uh, Cowboy Bebop. And I like a lot, a lot of the dark stuff. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that. Um, oh, and well, some Sailor Moon, too. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was actually playing uh, the, the Extra Life charity uh, marathons going on this weekend. And I've been, I'm not doing the full marathon because I... Normally I do it every year, and I completely forgot it was this weekend. So I've got other things like this interview going on, but uh, you can be there in spirit. <laughs> well, I, I've been streaming on and off, just you know, uh, different things from my computer, and I have the uh, the old Sailor Moon arcade game, and that thing's a trip. Wow, I want to play that. <laughs> you know. And I think this directly comes from it being an arcade game targeted towards a younger audience. But that game is hard. It was designed Whoa. to just take your money. Oh. It's it's a little bit different when you're playing it on the computer and you don't have to pump quarters into it. But it's still tough. Yeah. It's like one of those rage quit games where you want to just quit, but not quit yet. You want to see the ending. Exactly. One of those games. Yeah, except the ending sucks. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Uh, yeah, I I just imagine the people that played that in the arcade just you know pouring you know twenty dollars into it just to see what happens at the end, just being so disappointed when they get there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, a uh, bit of a, of a non sequitur there. Um, when did when did you first get into anime? What was sort of your gateway into that world? Um. Well, I started off. Um... As for anime, I actually found out about it in the 90s with Sailor Moon and Pokemon and all that stuff. Yeah. But as far as voice acting, it goes all the way back to the 80s on a strange little show called uh, Charles in Charge. <laughs> and it's an interesting story behind that. I, um, I would love to hear this. I, I need <laughs> to know about, uh, was, was Charles in Charge of your days and your nights? Yes, it was. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I, would, I would be religiously glued to that show. There was an episode I saw on, I forgot which character that did this, but they did like a karate kick or something, and I tried to emulate that same kick. That started off with that, the whole kick thing, and then I kicked my cereal on accident. And the more I started copying characters from the show, like Scott Bale's character and everybody, the more I said, hey, I want to do imitations and everything, but I didn't know about voice acting. But later on in the years, I kind of took an interest to it, but I didn't know what it was called. I just called it Garage Voices. I thought everybody recorded everything, every show and every game in a garage and, and just huddled together in front of one, I don't know, one small recording studio to share one microphone and just record stuff. But that's how it all started. And I 
took beer and um, from there I took a few workshops, setting workshops, and I got in that way with bangs too. Wow, that's uh, and that's a great bl- uh, blueprint. Although you know, living living in Los Angeles is a definitive advantage as opposed to uh, you know living uh, out here in Tennessee or, or wherever a lot of people are. Because there are a lot of people that, especially when they're younger and and they're getting into fandom and they want to be more involved somehow, you know, that's, that's usually the thing that comes to mind is, oh, I want to be a voice actor, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you actually, you actually managed to put your money where your mouth was, uh, both, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> figuratively I mean, and literally. Yeah, that's, that's actually true. When I started out with the whole voice acting training thing, I was kind of scared because at the time I was really young and naive. I thought, oh, I had to get an agent and I can get them. So I paid them like, millions of dollars and I was really weird so I started off as a late bloomer after I learned everything <laughs> and you know every, everybody starts somewhere um we were talking about uh with Aaron Fitzgerald uh, one of your your Skullgirls co-stars I love Aaron uh I was talking to her a little while ago about you know her uh experience and and in that interview she talks about how she moved out to California and then just completely stopped acting there for a little while before, you know, eventually getting back into it. So that was, everyone has a different path to it. And sometimes it's not, you know, not everyone is, uh, just born into it or, or just, you know, gets on the, on the ground floor. Some people, you know, take a, a less direct path there. Yeah. Yeah. I like to hear other people's stories and how they get into not just voice acting, but just with everything. I like to hear different stories of everything. Um, so people, they find out about, especially with voice acting, I've heard a lot of voice actors say we just fell into it, we accidentally went into it, or you've been a fan of it, and you just wanted to get into it. So it's, I like the whole story thing. It's abs- like story time. Absolutely, and it makes for far more interesting questions than uh, technical process questions or... You know, the questions you hear at, at conventions a lot if you go to a lot of the voice acting panels. How did you uh, get into voice acting? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped going to those. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I actually don't mind those questions. Because I like, I like to help people. Like, especially with a question like that, I think if I answer something like that, I give them my answer. It's like me kind of helping them in a way. Like, inspiring them to go for a Twitter dream. So, strangely, I don't mind those questions. You know... <laughs> I that is the refrain I hear from every voice actor I talk to when when I talk about you know getting those questions all the time because I I've said this to I don't know how many people have, I don't understand how you do it I don't know how you have the patience to put up with it but you know they all just seem to be genuinely very helpful and and wanting to uh-huh. you know extend that knowledge out out to uh, those who would. Uh, take on that that task and and have the dedication to carry it through but good lord folks <laughs> i know yeah it takes a lot of uh the what i'm looking for patience i guess <laughs> a lot of um i don't know a lot of energy or something i don't know I've, I've been through that i've been through the whole how did i get how did you get in the voice acting thing i would ask other voice actors the same thing so whenever i get that asked to me it's like no don't freak out don't get mad because you were like this like a few years ago so don't get a, don't get bothered by that. <laughs> yeah, you you do have a very uh, interesting perspective on that on that whole process because 
as as much as I hate to encourage people, <laughs> it, you know, you're you're proof that it can happen. You know, if you have the drive and and the ambition, the talent, and the patience. Yeah. Which yeah, it's really hard too because you can have the drive and the talent, but it's like you feel like it goes so far, you're not really making any progress. It's like it's really hard sometimes to keep going. Like that happened for me, like for four years, I tried to do the whole voice acting thing and. I couldn't get anywhere. I couldn't get an agent. I couldn't really get uh, my demo anywhere. So I just took more classes and was more persistent and tried to find more door or find a door to open and open up more doors. And now it's like a domino effect. That sounds a lot like podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> well, only there's no paycheck at the end of the of the end of the road for me. It's just oh, there should be there there should. Be the there should be, but you know, as as much as I love doing it, and as much as I feel privileged, and and it's a real testament to where we are now versus where we're to be able to talk with you and and other actors. You know, it, there there's not a lot of uh, advertisers knocking at our door. Strangely enough, I don't know if it's uh, if it's me, if it's uh, our general lack of professionalism or what, but. Well, I think just like in general, like you doing what you love, I think even if you don't get paid for it, I think it, it goes a long way. Like from for a while, I wasn't doing, I was doing what I, what I wanted to do, but I didn't get paid for it. But all I cared about was if I'm having fun at this, that's all that matters. If I stop having fun, then I need to find a career. So I think it's about the whole fun factor, I think. I would tend to agree. I would like to believe. I don't know that this is necessarily the truth. I would like to believe that if you stick with doing what you love long enough, um, that it will lead you to some type of career. Maybe not necessarily doing exactly that, but something that that those skills come into play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Although, uh, it, it's definitely more... Uh, Definitely something that's that's easier, not easier, but there's there's more of a direct line of uh, cause and effect with acting than, say, podcasting or, or playing video games or things like that. You know, where there's just games. Yeah. Sorry, I'm hyper. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a lot of folks don't know this. I've I've experienced this firsthand. Uh, you play a lot of video games, and you're not bad at fighting games. Uh, I played you when uh, Skullgirls first came out, and uh, I got rushed down a little bit. <laughs> I was I was actually button mashing when I first started out, and I played a few rounds with um, some of my friends, KG, and a few friends, and it's like, oh, you should do these combos and do the tutorial thing. You'll get it after the tutorial. You don't know how to you know, unleash pure hell on your enemy, and I did a lot of that, and... I'm still working on it, <laughs> but that was all button mashing. It takes a lot of work, and and you yeah. know what? Sometimes, uh, especially online, button mashing can be a very effective tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how long have you been playing video games? When did you start playing games? Um, I'm gonna blame my dad for this one. I started playing maybe when I was around 11 or 12. My dad brought in the Super Nintendo, and he brought a few games in, and then I. Um, evolved from the Super Nintendo to the PlayStation 1, and then the 2, and then now the 3, and the DS, and computer games, and been playing for a long time. <laughs> what was the first game you played? Um, yeah, the first game I played was probably Super Mario RPG. Wow, that's... Yeah, I like that game, it's so fun. That is a fun game. That's... 
I, I guess when I think of people's first games, that's not one that I hear come to mind a lot because <laughs> RPGs are usually something you get into after you've been gaming for a while because it's it's kind of it's a different style of game. Um, yeah. Although with, with Super Mario RPG, it might it might lend itself to being a little bit more accessible, but you know it, it takes a certain skill set to be able to navigate all the text and know what you're supposed to do and understand talking to people and using items and equipment. It's a lot more complicated than you might think at first glance, and certainly more complicated than, you know, a game like Super Mario Brothers or something. Yeah, I tried the Super Mario Brothers thing, but I didn't finish it, so I wouldn't really call it a first game unless I finish it. I'm kind of weird like that. But I would play Super Mario RPG with my brother and sister, Sometimes if we can't figure out something, it's like, here, you figure it out. <laughs> like, I can't figure it out, you figure it out. It's like, okay. So we had to make up our own strategy guide by coming together and figuring out, okay, so we don't throw that, that little marshmallow guy at the door. We have to find a way to open the door by finding a key somewhere. And then we have to, like, strategize. Or... It was pretty funny and weird. <laughs> I think that's a, a pretty common thing. I think especially when you're first starting out playing video games, if you've got siblings, you'll tag team those games. <laughs> Um, I remember when I was in college, uh, the first Kingdom Hearts came out, and we were all playing that, and then after we all beat it, we went to fight Sephiroth, you know, who's a hidden boss, and it's really tough, so... Yeah, he is. I think one night, we just all uh, just went in rotation fighting against him and and finding different strategies and finding out what all his patterns were, and eventually we ended up beating him. Yeah, I like how that works, how it's like you play with other people, and it seems to be a lot more fun than just playing by yourself. It's like you find out more things with other people. Yeah, it's it's less frustrating. Uh, you have other people. You you have you know other sets of eyes watching and picking up on things that you might not notice because you're in the moment, as opposed to thinking about it analytically and and looking for patterns and things like that. So yeah. Um. So you still play a lot of games today. What what are some of your favorite genres of games? Um, I like a lot of fighting games. I like some action shooter games and some racing car games. Um, right now I'm playing a lot of Mass Effect multiplayer and uh, League of Legends. Which you're in. Yep. The, uh, do you uh, drop that knowledge on people when you're playing often or do you just kind of let it go? Um, most of the time I don't really say I'm karma or anything. I just say, hey... I'm a noob, be nice to me. You know, like, no, <laughs> uninstall the game. Noobs shouldn't be playing this game. We should be experienced people. But um, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of weird with that game. But, but I think one time I did mention, hey, you're playing with the voice of Karma here. And they're like, yeah, right, whatever. And I don't know. I, I, I forgot what happened after that. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I always find it interesting, you know, and... I don't play a lot of uh, the the real-time strategy games or what some folks would call eSports games. I don't play a lot of those. I oh, mostly play oh, yeah. fighting games. But they're both similar in that um, unless you find the right people, they can be very um, exclusive, uh, very non-inclusive groups. Because, like you said, you know, the guys like only ex- experienced you know, players should be playing this. Well, you know, did did you were you a League of Legends beta tester or something? You know, you had to start somewhere. Everyone did. As far as um, 
be a tester as of, like when I first started playing or No, the the guy that was saying that, you know, it, you know, you were talking about saying, "Oh, I'm a noob, be nice to me." And he's like, "No, uninstall the game." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where yeah, and it's like a cool kids club thing and it's like if you're not in, they'll just I don't know, we're doing new one. Yeah, and Sad. It's so weird. It, it it's such a lack of perspective on their part because yeah. it's it's not like there was never a point where they didn't know what they were doing either. Yeah, they're at that one point. They just don't want to admit it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, now, you've also done some, some audio dramas as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. I did a few. Um, this was before the whole video game thing came about. Um, I did a few audio dramas. Um, I did one recently. It was called Star Trek Lost Frontier. That was from uh, a site called Darker Projects. And I've done a few things with them maybe a year and a half or so and some of the other audio dramas i've done at a place called voice acting alliance which i've been i've been a part of for almost five or six and a half years or something like that now would you say that's a good resource for people who are looking to sort of break out as it were you know things you know things like that that are maybe more for fan projects and things that aren't necessarily paying gigs but at least you know give you some experience i think that's a it's a really good way to to practice and to really get your voice out there. I think especially when it comes to trying different voices. I know when I first started, I didn't get cast in a lot of stuff, so I try and make up my own projects, my bad mixing skills. <laughs> be like, I can do this. Well, if you're not gonna like have me audition for this, I'll just do this thing, this little thing, and put it up in the internet and see what people say about it, and see if I get any auditions or anything like that. But I think it's a really good way to practice your skills and practice your voices and practice your reading skills. I think it's just good practice overall. Okay. Um, and, you, and you said the group that you belong to was uh, Voice Acting Alliance, is that right? Yeah. Um, now, is as far as getting into that group, um, was there a lot of... Uh, what, uh, is there sort of a certain skill requirement there? How, how did that work as far as using them as a resource? Like, say, say for example, myself. Um, and I'm saying this for the benefit of, of anyone who might be listening that might be interested in this. Uh, my acting experience goes to uh, very poor Dungeons & Dragons role-playing. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, if, if someone like me wanted to use that as, as a resource to try and, you know, get some practice or things like that... Uh, would that be a good way to go, or should they should they look somewhere somewhere else if they're just starting out? Oh no, definitely. I think that's a really good place to start out. Um, I know with when I first started, the support on there seemed a, a lot more. The people on there were a lot more supportive on there because they'll say, "Oh, that's good." We'll comment on your thing instead of just saying, "Oh, that's good." We're going to say, "That's good. You should work on this." But for me, I started off as a really bad actor. I was like the William Shatner. <laughs> Like, oh, Shots please. fired. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was pretty bad. <laughs> Shots fired at William Shatner. No, no offense to William, but no. When I read, it, it was almost like me taking certain pauses for in different words. It's like, no, stop, wait. It was weird, but I was really bad. <laughs> but I think the more practice I. I did on that site, whereas if it's like an audio drama or like a small little audio skit that I would mix by myself, I think the more I, I really like voice acting and the more I wanted to learn more about voice acting and then when I wanted to take more classes and do it and 
do more stuff on there and uh, be, be involved in more projects. So I think it's pretty good for everybody. Okay. And, and like I said, I know there's a lot of people that, that are interested in acting. They're interested in voice acting, but you know, you, uh, it's, it's nice to know that there's places online, especially, you know, I grew up in a small town, so I, I understand people's uh, despair when they have these ambitions, but especially when you're young and you can't get away from where you're living, you know, there's non-love options. Well, you know, with the internet, at least there's, there's hope, you know, a headset, a headset and a dream. Yeah, they should make, with that, they should make like a, a little teleporting TARDIS. We can just go in there and go wherever you want. You go in there and you say, light speed to California or light speed to Canada or something. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yeah. Of course, then, you know, the uh, idea of, you know, visiting other countries would become very boring. That, oh, yeah, that's true. Then you wouldn't want to fly in a plane anymore. Okay, never mind. <laughs> At least there wouldn't be as much traffic. That's true. It would be like, I don't know, like the freeways would be kind of like abandoned. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, just switching gears a little bit, um, I always, always kind of like to ask uh, a few, not quite personal, but, but maybe insightful questions. Um, who would you say has had the biggest impact on your career? Um, I'd say there's a few people that had a huge impact, but I'd say if I had to narrow it down to probably two, I'd say Jennifer Hale and Christina V. Um, I actually recently met Jennifer Hale at Canterlot Gardens, and she's so cool. She's a really nice woman, and I didn't want a fangirl in front of her. I tried to hold back because she's just so awesome. But um, she's been one of my inspirations ever since Metal Gear Solid. So I, I just, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Christina, um, we're, we're really good friends. Um, I met her a few years ago at um, Anime Expo. I think it was 2009. And she was on the Voice Acting Alliance, too. But probably like a few years before me or something. But I liked her voice a lot. And I liked how she was going from one project to the next project and she was just growing and learning more stuff and she was still pretty humble about everything and she still is yeah yeah now i haven't had the the pleasure of of talking with christina but if i understand correctly she got her start uh winning the anime expo idol didn't she so she's kind of in that same vein as you as far as uh you're just kind of coming up from a different different way than than some of the other actors yeah, I remember about the whole AX Idol thing, because um, I also participated in that, and I lost. Um, she told me later on that she lost, too, but she went to a workshop at Anime Expo, and one of the people there wanted her to try out the equipment, and they liked her voice, and they said, Here, we'll give you our card, and you can come in audition for us. So I thought that was pretty cool. It's a pretty cool route. Yeah, and and that just speaks a lot to... Not being discouraged, you know, even, even, you know, like you said, you didn't win uh, the Anime Expo Idol, but... I was so sad, too. I was just, I was literally crying. I'm like, no, this is my last chance. It's like American Idol. <laughs> my last chance I can't do anymore. <laughs> well, apparently not. Apparently there's still hope for you left. Yeah. Um, let's see, uh, I think we're... Uh, winding 
winding down here on the questions, but um, uh, I wanted to ask if you could impart wisdom uh, to the fan base or to uh, aspiring actors, what would what would you want them to know? What's what's the thing that they need to know that they probably don't? Um, I think one of the things that I learned, I know it's a hard way, but I think for anyone trying to get into voice acting, um, it also takes patience, but it also takes a lot of like, you have to keep learning, learning every single day, you use your voice every single time, every sing- like every chance you get. Uh, it, is, it doesn't matter if you have your phone or your, your, uh, your microphone and you're just practicing different funny voices or if you're taking a class. I think the more knowledge you get, the more you're prepared to, uh, I don't know, do the whole voice acting thing. And as far as demos, I would say if you feel you're ready to make a demo, then you should go and find, uh, well, I'd say I'd actually research um, different places to get your demo done because there's some places that want your money and they won't give you like the best product or they'll overprice the product and say, hey, we're going to make you sound really good and you're going to book jobs and everything. I mean, I'd actually recommend you do your homework on stuff like that. And yeah, never give up. All right. Well, Danielle, uh, before we let you go, is there anything else you want to say to anybody? Um, I want to say to all the fans out there, thank you so much for supporting me. I, I feel really honored that you guys do. I, I don't feel like anything, <laughs> but it, it's, it's really nice to know you guys are out there even when like, it's, it's like the whole, I'm having trouble finding a job or ha- I'm not booking anything, but it's almost like you guys are there all the time and I, mean, I get, I get really happy. So well, thank you guys for supporting me. Well, really do appreciate you joining us. It's been uh, a pleasure. Uh, I always do love doing these interviews because I, I I've not, I've not once been disappointed. Uh, just not once, because you guys are are just fantastic. Um, but as far as uh, pimping anything out before we before we go, uh, Facebook, Twitter, anything like that. Uh, yeah, um, I have, uh, um, my Facebook is at, um, I have a fan site at, uh, Danielle McCray, video artist, and at Twitter, I have, uh, yeah, Danielle MCVO, and my website is at www.daniellemccraybo.com. I almost forgot about that website, not just now. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have, I'm going to pimp my Instagram, because I've been using that a lot. I just took a picture of a DeLorean on a freeway yesterday. <laughs> So um, if you want to follow me with, like, I take weird pictures, feel free to follow me at Fairy Dusters on Instagram. All right. Well, Danielle, thanks again, and we look forward to uh, hopefully talking to you in the future. Thank you for having me. Anytime.